Welcome to the next message from Encounter Church. For more information about our church, visit us online at EncounterPGH.com. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the message. When we were in college, um, we went to school together at Southeastern, it was college at the time, now at Southeastern University, and Aaron and I have been good friends for all that time, and we reconnected, gosh, what, it was maybe like six, seven years ago, and just kind of when you were moving to Germany, and uh, they've been, I'll let them tell their story a little bit later, but uh, we just kind of got connected, and then it just clearly was a God thing that to, to connect our church with their ministry, and, and they've been here. This is your third time, I think, now visiting us, right? Once in pre-launch, and then once, uh, and then we were in Row House, and now today. So we're so glad you guys are here. Yeah, every time we come, you guys are in a different building. So. Well, hopefully this is the last time and, yeah. until maybe we get our own space at one day. But uh, we're, yeah, we're so glad you guys are here. So what we wanted to do, um, Aaron's going to preach to us in a few minutes. He's got a word that the Lord has really put on his heart. But first, I just wanted to kind of let them share about what's happening in Greece and in their ministry. And so um, Aaron, Susie, why don't you guys tell us a little bit about, so you moved to Athens how long ago? We moved there in uh, August of 2015. So that's almost three years then this summer. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so tell us why you moved there and kind of what you've been doing, you know, in Athens, what your ministry has been like, you know, kind of through that sure. period of time. Sure. Well, I was working um, sorry. <laughs> uh, with refugees um, in Germany, and we already had like, um, yeah, basically one friend, he said, yeah, if you're interested uh, working with Afghan refugees, and it's, yeah, Afghans are kind of on our heart, and they're people from Afghanistan, <laughs> obviously. Um, yeah, he told us basically that there's so many Afghans um, in Athens, Greece, and there's um, a well-established refugee ministry, and there are many, many ministries. And um, so we had an opportunity in 2014 um, to visit all these ministries, and yeah, for me, it's like if God is calling me somewhere, I first have to go and see how it's like. For me, I really have to see. And yeah, and we were just open, God, speak to us if this is something for us or not, because we were traveling around. And yeah, while in Greece, we really felt like, man, we had so many opportunities, so many awesome conversations, and we really felt like this is where we should go. Yeah, so we've been there since uh, August 2015, and we've been mainly uh, just getting our roots in, into the ground. It's a whole new culture for us. It's a whole new land, and, and it's really just been a season of building relationships, learning language, learning how to survive in, in, in Greece. Some of you guys came out this past year, and uh, you know it's all about surviving. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, and, uh, and, and just learning and seeing what is God doing in this nation? What's he calling us to do in this nation? And, uh, and, and so that's what we've been doing the last couple of years. And now we're at a place where we feel like we've, we begin, have begun to see some of the first steps that God um, is revealing to us and how to achieve what he, he's called us to do there. Awesome. So you guys first arrived, obviously the refugee crisis just kind of hit. So that was yeah. sucking up a lot of your time initially. Mm -hmm. But then you kind of mentioned in the last um, several months, even year, God's been revealing kind of what he has for you guys in the sort of in the near term. And I know that we had talked uh, last year when Aaron and Susie had sent out their newsletter, all that had happened over throughout the last year, but the Lord had kind of um, put on their heart to create this 24-7 prayer house uh, in the month of November called yeah. Lighthouse 24-7. Um, what kind of led to that and how did it go? Like what, what did that all sort of, like, tell us about, about that. Yeah, so I mean, it, uh, when, when we were asking God, you know, what, actually when we started looking at the land and uh, we started seeing, you know, what, what are some of the main spiritual strongholds in this country? Uh, what we kept seeing pretty strong was a spirit of religion that, um, that actually, when it came to relationship with God, there wasn't much of an understanding of that. It was more of just something that I am because I live in this culture. Um, but even the concept of reading the Bible, of um, having a time of prayer every day or something, it, it, it wasn't even something on the radar. It, it was really just this thing I do twice a year. 
And God called us to start and develop in the city a culture of intimacy with God. And, uh, and that looked like just organizing different corporate worship times every month, trying to gather people in the same room just to worship, just to spend time in his presence. And then in the midst of that, God started putting it on our heart to establish something uh, more permanent. And so we've been trying to launch a, a house of prayer in the city, a place that would nonstop uh, raise up uh, worship and prayer and just uh, the magnification of Jesus. And so we launched that this past November with 30 straight days of 24-7 prayer. It took a lot of people from around the world to come out and to help us with that. Uh, and it was a pretty powerful time. Yeah. Do you want to share any about what happened there, or do you want to leave that for your message? Yeah, I'll share more about it in the message, but it was pretty, pretty powerful. Yeah, so he was telling me last night about some of the incredible things that, uh, that God did throughout the month of November. I'm excited to, yeah. to hear about that. So, okay, so, so uh, you guys have been there for about three years now and kind of like getting yourselves kind of acclimated to it, but I know that God has long-term plans on your heart for, for the future of your ministry, particularly in, in Greece and in Athens, particularly right. relating, I think you said, to working with refugees, but discipling them. Tell us a little about what, you know, what, as far as you know, you know, the future kind of looks like, what's the road you're walking on now? Right. So, do you want to answer that? Sorry. Yeah. So what we've mainly nope. seen with all the other refugees, with all the other ministries that we've been serving is that for the last however many years, people have been doing an excellent job with relief work, um, feeding people, clothing people, serving the immediate need. Um, and from that, there's been a harvest. But there hasn't been any real development of these people. And so what's that, what, what has happened there is there's been a new problem that has been created, and that's dependency. And so we have great people who've come over from other nations who've been in the system of nonstop relief that's created now a dependency. And, and now these people, for some reason, are so lazy, they, won't, they can't even figure out their own problems. And so what our heart is, is to develop a discipleship program that actually would provide education, provide permanent housing, and provide jobs. And, uh, and so that's kind of our long-term vision. And Susie can share more about exactly what, how we're going to do that. Yeah, I was sharing in the beginning when we came to Greece, I actually had a dream or kind of a vision from God, like... Um, what is in the future, and it's sometimes hard to believe, like, really, God? <laughs> um, so basically, it was um, a community where um, you have worship and prayer with um, people uh, that are believers, but they still need so much discipleship and, um, yeah, just growing and even inner healing. And more and more over the years, it made more and more sense just meeting different refugees, like how broken they are and how deep their faith is. And it's, yeah, just on the surface because it's so much practical work and their background is Muslim. <laughs> so it's hard to um, understand what is grace, what is forgiveness and all that stuff. So, um, so basically it's, yeah, our heart is, or what God shared with us is, having a community <clears throat> um, in, yeah, inside or on a farm where everybody lives together, work together, even having businesses um, outside the farm <clears throat> and yeah, just living life together on a basic um, daily life. Yeah, something else? <laughs> Yeah, these people are very much so, their culture is community-oriented. It's not, it's not program-oriented. You're not going to get these people to come out to a conference, or it, it doesn't work that way. It, it, they'll never trust Jesus until they first trust you. And, and so the, the best discipleship with these people is to live life alongside them, to raise your family right up beside their family, to live out your convictions, to live out your faith in front of them, and example it with them, to eat meals with them. This is really where discipleship's done. And so that's what we want to establish is a place where we gather like-minded believers who need to grow in their faith like all of us, and that together in one body, we would draw closer to Jesus. Yeah, so Aaron and Susie have been uh, in the States since uh, Christmas, kind of uh, visiting with family, but part of what they've been doing is traveling um, and experiencing similar types of communities like that in the, in the States because they're looking to find models that they can kind of plant in Greece now. 
Um, so we're excited for what God is doing in your ministry and in, in your lives. And you might be wondering, you know, uh, how can I, you know, get involved? What, what can I do? I mean, there's a few things. One, you're doing it right now by being here and hearing the vision that God has put in their hearts. We can pray for them as a church. We pray over our missionary friends. Um, you, you know, they also are looking for personal support. They didn't know they're, they're not asking this. I'm telling them, telling you guys, like if maybe God's putting on your heart out of your own personal finances that you'd like to, to support them additionally, you can do that as well. Right on our church website, there is a encountergiving.com. There's a drop box down the bottom there that says Aaron and Su- Susie Ministries. And if you would want to do that, they would, I'm sure, be honored with that. Other things that you can do is we just took a trip in October to support them throughout the week and work in the in the fields of Athens. When I say field, it's like a missionary term. In the city of Athens with them. And we'll, we want to take other trips. And so maybe you can come along. There are a lot of ways for you to be connected to this. And uh, so we're super excited for all that God is doing and is going to do through you guys and your ministry in Greece. And we just love you so much. Can we, can we just pray for them before uh, Aaron kind of shares the word today? Um, if you feel comfortable, maybe just extend your hand as a sign of connection. If you don't feel comfortable, no worries, but I'm going to pray for them. Let's just pray together as one body. Father, thank you so much for Aaron and Susie. Um, God, their ministry is powerful. Thank you that they hear from you, that they have a close relationship with you and that they, they're listening to you and that you are moving through them. That God, 24 hours of constant worship and prayer for 30 days straight. People came from all over the world. God, it's awesome. And it's not glory to them. It's glory to you. But God, they were willing to make it happen and to hear you and to step out in faith. God, you're doing awesome things in the city of Athens and all over the country of Greece. I thank you for what you're doing. So I pray now a special blessing over this family, over Eleni, over Susie, over Aaron. Uh, And God, that you would just um, protect them. You would provide for them, that you would give them every bit of resources. God, I pray abundance over their life and their ministry. I pray that they would have open eyes, clear sight to see what you're calling them to, and that you would open the doors, make their path super straight so that every step that they take is done in confidence, and they would see you doing wonderful works. God, we pray for this farm, this community to come. We ask in Jesus's name that this vision would come forward and would be brought to life, and that many people, God, would be discipled, that they would be become multipliers so that they would reach their friends, their neighbors, God, people that Aaron and Susie could never reach, that you would reach them through these refugees who come to know you and are discipled. God, we're so excited for the years to come and the harvest that is going to be coming because of uh, their faithfulness. We just pray blessing over their lives. And now as we move into the message, I pray you would just give Aaron the words that you would speak to us today that would challenge our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, I'm going to leave the stage. Susie's going to leave the stage, and Aaron's about to deliver a message that he has for us. Thank you, brother. Excited for you to be here. All right, let's hear it. It's nice to be here. Is, is it okay? Um, I can just set it right here. I think that's fine. I was asking Jared if it's okay if I stand down here. For some reason, I feel a little strange up there. I'm not so comfortable. Is, is it all right with the sound if I'm down here, or is that going to be Feedback City? Is it going to be Feedback City? All right. So, guys, uh, I'm going to back up a little bit. Do you want me to get back on the stage? I, can, I really can do that. Um, <laughs> I'm going to get back up on the stage. <laughs> um, You know, before 1989, for over 50 years, the reality in the world was you had one side of the world that was communistic and then another side of the world that was free from communism. And this was a reality that people lived their whole life knowing. This is the way life was. You know, communism just was this big, huge beast, you know. It was... It it, it, it took over half the world. (laughs) It was this impenetrable force that actually at its day, before 1989, it was the place that every church in the West was trying to send missionaries. It was this thing that everyone was praying about. Oh, God, would you bring down communism? What, 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 how are we going to ever get the gospel in there? It almost seemed like it was just impossible. I mean, think of that. Think of praying for something for so long, and 20 years later, it's still there. 
30 years later, it's still there. 50 years, it's still there. Communism reigning strong with no signs of weakening. I mean, it was an incredible thing. And, and behind the walls of communism, there was a gospel that says there is no God. Government is your God. And that's it. Atheism spread throughout the communistic world. We hear stories today. There's, there's books written today of people who risked their lives, who were tortured even, to, to try to sneak in behind the lines into the communistic world and, and give out Bibles. Maybe some of you guys have read books by Brother Andrew and other people like this who, who did amazing things like this. And yet, this unbelievable thing that no one felt like would ever come away. It was just this reality that everyone lived with. It seemed like this impossible thing that was, you know, how is the gospel ever going to spread around the world with this? Almost overnight, in 1989, in October, God brought it to its knees. Really, I mean, it's just unbelievable. It's almost unexplainable. But almost overnight, on October 3rd, 1989, the Berlin Wall fell, and communism was officially over. And the world changed like it had never changed before. Suddenly, one whole, I mean, imagine a, ha- a whole half of the world was open for the gospel. And like a flood, missionaries and churches from, from all over the West started pouring in to what was USSR. And think of it, for the first time, people receiving a Bible, for the first time hearing the gospel, within three years, that entire side of the world had completely changed. Other nations were established, nations like Germany, (laughs) nations like Poland and Czech Republic and, well, Czechoslovakia at the time, and then, uh, you know, Yugoslavia and all these different nations, they all started forming, making their own governments. The world was changing. And God did it. God did it. Just almost overnight. Unbelievable. Opened up one whole half of the world for the gospel. And now today, in our day, we have another big one. There's another big one. There's one that every one of us probably have lived with this reality. And that's Islam. This is the, this is the big daddy. This is the one it's like, oh man... Sometimes it even seems like Islam's winning. You know, we hear demographic studies, we hear about the the birth rates and things like that, and it just seems like, man, this nation's going to be a Muslim nation someday. This nation's going to be a Muslim nation someday. And it just seems like, how in the world, how in the world, God, are you ever going to spread the gospel to all the ends of the world with this big mamba of Islam? It just seems so strong. It seems so powerful. You know, have you guys ever felt that way? (laughs) <laughs> I've felt that way. You know, for eight years we lived in Germany, and the entire time we were there, we were spending most of our time in the Middle East and in Central Asia, working with Islamic people. And man, just the length of time that it took to get to the point in their country where you could just share the gospel took forever. I mean, you had to spend at least a year, months at best, building relationship before you could even give a hint that you believe in a different God, that you're not Muslim, that, that actually Jesus is the Savior of the world. <laughs> you, you had to risk your life sometimes. People today are being tortured, being killed for sharing the gospel in Muslim nations. And, and, and Islam seems like this huge thing, and we just like, we don't even know, like, how, how is it ever going to fall? How is the gospel going to go out into all the ends of the world? And then, almost... Overnight, in 2015, the nation of Hungary was having a problem with refugees from Bulgaria coming into their nation. And internationally, Hungary announced, we're going to build a wall around our nation to keep the Bulgarians out. We're sick of it. It was against EU law. Because, you know, in the whole thing with the European Union is there's no more walls, there's no more borders, all that type of thing. But they said, we're going to do it because we're sick of all these refugees coming in from Bulgaria. But what they didn't realize when they made that announcement was that for years and years and years, Susie mentioned this refugee we met in Germany. For years and years and years, there's been a trail 
that actually the Western world doesn't really know about, but the entire Eastern world does know about it. A trail where if you live in the East and you're poor and you want a chance in life, you can start off on this journey that'll take you all the way into the Western world where you can start life again. It was a journey that would take years. It was a journey that would start as far East as, as India, across Pakistan, across Central Asia, into Turkey, cross Turkey, get on a boat, go over to Greece, from Greece, work your way up west, across Hungary, into Western Europe, maybe one day in the States. This trail had been going on for years and years. For over 20 years, people have been doing this. In fact, Europe was reporting over 100,000 people a year were making this trip, coming into the West. It's okay where I'm standing. I'm messing everything up, moving around. And, 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 th and this was the thing. People would, would, would travel. They would leave their home. They would travel a couple thousand miles, stop work for a couple years, earn the money so that they can make it on to the next leg of their trip. And they all know these little hot spots along the way. They know I need to make it to this city and in that city there's a guy that I can call or I can talk to and he'll tell me what I need to do to get to the next city. They'll smuggle me into this next place. And this was a trail that existed for years. And it went right across Hungary. Hungary sits right in the middle of Europe. It is directly across the line that that, that journey takes. And almost overnight, in 2015, Hungary decided, we're going to build a wall. And what they didn't understand at that time was that they were going to be closing off a refugee trail that had been existing for over 20 years, and that is what spurred what you heard on the news as the refugee crisis. Because suddenly, everyone in the East that ever thought about making that trail someday and were raising money for it or had it in the back of their mind, suddenly what they heard was, if we're going to go, now's the time. we got to go. And almost overnight, just like God did with communism, suddenly the Islamic world pulled out of their countries and put their feet on Christian soil. And suddenly the evangelization of the Islamic world went up by 100%. Guys, do you understand what's happening in your world right now? Right now in Greece and all in Europe, we are witnessing one of the greatest moves of God in the history of our planet. God is shifting the world around right now. And he is calling forth your brothers and sisters that live in Islamic countries that have been living underneath oppressive governments for years and years. And he's saying, sons and daughters, I'm here. I'm your father. Come on home. I've prepared a table for you. And that's exactly what's happening. In 2015, we moved to Athens, and we were there for two weeks, and we got a phone call from a friend of ours, and he said, hey, sorry, he said, we just got a message from a friend of ours out on the island of Cause. He said, they told us that uh, there's like 300 people. They just showed up. They came on a boat from Turkey, and they, they just showed up. They don't have any food. Or they don't have any, uh, any place to stay. You know, you guys, you're, you're from YWAM. Maybe you guys could call your friends up in Germany. And you guys could go out there and, and help them out. It, it, the situation's pretty bad. So we said, okay. We looked into it, saw the, the news report online. This was in August 2015. We called our friends up in Germany. And one week we were out on the island cause. God miraculously had provided us with 45,000 euros in one week to go feed and house these people. We went out to this island, and by the time we got there, it was already too late. World organizations had responded. In seven days' time, the UN showed up, Samaritan's Purse was there, all these different organizations had been there. And they were feeding, they were handing out stuff, and what we witnessed firsthand was the beginning of the refugee crisis. The numbers went up every day, 300 a day, 500 a day. And by the time we left that island, 11,000 people a day. And that continued for the next seven months. Every single day, 11,000 people coming over on boats, people dying, people falling off, into the, off the boats, falling in the water, dying, people dealing with incredible trauma. And these people have been living their whole life in a culture that's been telling them, don't go west. The Christians hate you. 
They're the infidels. They don't like you. They don't like this. And they've had such a difficult time. They've been traveling all across these nations. Every one of them Islamic. They've been robbed. They've been cheated. They've been taken advantage of. Many of them have been sold into slavery at times. Children have been taken. People are at a place of complete devastation. And then they put their feet on this infidel land. And the first thing that happens, someone runs to them, hugs them, puts a blanket around them and said, God loves you. Come on in. We got a place for you. Are you hungry? Do you have something to do? And everything, everything they've been told their whole life, their whole paradigm about what Christianity is all about is broken down at that moment. And God begins drawing their hearts into his kingdom. And we are seeing an incredible harvest. We're seeing millions come to Christ. Last year alone, Germany received over one million refugees. One million. It was 100,000 for all of Europe for one year. That was the average. And in one year, one million, one million Muslims came into Germany where they can freely hear the gospel and you can preach it openly. And on the streets, people are coming into faith. And the, 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 the Afghan that, that told us about what was going on in, in Greece, we met him because he was standing in the streets of Germany. And he was preaching the gospel in fluent German. And when we talked to him, he said, oh, I got saved in Greece. I came over as a refugee. I got saved. And now, I'm not a refugee anymore. I'm a missionary from Afghanistan to Germany. Isn't that amazing? Guys, can I just tell you something right now? The things you hear on the news are not always true. Can I just tell you right now that your media is controlled by everything that everything else is controlled by? And that's money. What will sell? And right now, the number one seller in American media is fear. And they will pump it as much as they possibly can because it gets those ratings. It gets that money they want. But I just want to submit to you right now that not everything you're hearing on the news is the truth. That there is a God who is mightier than the one of this world. And he is calling forth his family to a great and awesome table. Amen? So today, <laughs> I wanted to talk to you a little bit about what was going on with us. We came into this nation. God gave us this big vision, you know. We, one after another, we stepped into ministries that were doing relief work, that were reaching these refugees, that were... Um, you're doing a fantastic job of, of, of serving them, of, of showing them this first love, of meeting their immediate needs. And there really was a harvest. I mean, we witnessed it in every ministry we went to. People were just coming to know Christ, coming to know Christ, coming to know Christ. Just, we're talking about Syrians and Iranians and Afghans and Iraqis and Kurdish coming to know Christ. Every day coming to know Christ just because someone gave him a meal, just because someone gave him something to, to wear or something like that. And then they sit there and they hear the gospel and this, this message of love is it, it's breaking down walls in their heart. It, it's, it's connecting with them. You know, Jesus said it before he died. He said he's, he looked at his disciples and he said he, he stretched out his arms like this. And he said, if I am lifted up. I will draw all men unto me. And he's talking about being lifted up on the cross. And Jesus was lifted up on the cross. We know this. He died on the cross. And the Bible says that when he died, that in the tabernacle, the veil that was blocking an area of the, the tabernacle called the Holy of Holies, that it ripped in half. And I believe that for the first time, for the first time since the fall of man, the Holy Spirit was released from one central location and shot across the whole world. And just like he did at creation, hovering over the, the waters, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit was doing that. That now he is all over the whole world and he's drawing every heart, every single person in this planet, he's drawing them to the Father. This is his number one goal. 
He's drawing you. He's drawing every one of us and every person we see on the street all around the world. The Holy Spirit is there, and he's drawing them to the Father. And that's what's happening with these people that are coming. There's a drawing. They don't even know it. They don't even know that there's a Holy Spirit that loves them so much that's drawing them to the Father. And yet they come and they meet people like us who have that Father living inside of them and something's connecting. Something's making sense in their spirit. And it just, it's what they were looking for. It's everything they've been looking for and they didn't even know it. But there's something about you. There's something about what's in you. There's something about the way you carry yourself, the way you live your life. This is the Father that I've been seeking. This is the Father that the Holy Spirit's been drawing me to. And people are coming to know the Lord. And what we kept seeing at every single one of these ministries was that actually there's a huge harvest, but the church is about one inch deep. There's not a lot of discipleship. At every single one of these ministries, we kept asking, what happens when these people come to know Christ? What happens when these people come to know Christ? What happens when these people come to know Christ? Is there discipleship? Is there Bible studies? Is there a way to take them deep in their faith? You know, they've got a long journey still ahead of them. There's a lot of stuff still ahead of their life. And one after another, after another, after another, good people telling us, no, there really isn't any discipleship. We'd love to see that. But the reality is we just don't have enough people right now. We just don't have enough workers. We're totally consumed with pulling in the nets of the harvest. We don't have any time for discipleship. Guys, this is the gospel. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. If you're bored and you don't have nothing to do with your life, guys, there's a place in Greece for you. <laughs> That's a side note. That's not the point of the message. So God started moving it in us, moving in our hearts. We could do something. We could establish discipleship. We could do this. How do we do this? God started using our experiences in the Islamic world, the things that we've learned about their culture, started showing us we can do it in communities. We can do it through business. And that's what we're, we're, we've got a big vision for. We've got a big vision for this community that Susie started, back, started talking about. We want to start a community where people would live alongside one another, that they would raise their kids up with each other, that there would be a huge table, just like the Father's table, and that there would be community meals, and around that table... We would disciple one another, that we would build each other up. What's the Lord been sharing with you this week? What did God teach you today? We have special guests come in. Jared is here from Pittsburgh. Guys, we want to introduce our friend Jared from Pittsburgh. He's going to be with us all week, having dinner with us all week, and every night over dinner, he's just going to share with you the good things the Lord's been doing in his life. We want to grow together. We want to, we want to work together. We want to start micro-businesses all over the city and right there on the farm itself. We want to have businesses that, that, that supply income for the refugees so that they don't have to be refugees anymore. We want to give them back their dignity. We want to give them back dignity that comes from a relationship with Christ, from an understanding of who they are, but also the dignity of knowing that I'm working, that I'm making money, that I'm providing for my family. We want to give them education. We want to start a school on this property where, where the kids can rise up and get an education. Do you know that you know, outside of Syria and now Kurdistan, uh, mo most of the Syrians in the Kurdish, they came because they were in war. They were, they were being brought out. But there's a huge number of refugees coming from Afghanistan, Iran, Pakistan, India, even parts of Africa. They're coming. They're economic immigrants. They're coming for an opportunity to provide for their family, an opportunity to make some money. Most every one of the Afghan refugees have come for one reason. Do you know what that is? Education. There's no education opportunities for their children, and they want, to have the, they want their kids to have a chance to grow up with an education. And so they've risked their lives to come all the way there for that. Guys, these, this is what we want to develop for them. This is what we're, we're trying to do. And so we've got this big vision. And in the midst of this big vision, it's God, you know, what are you calling us to do now? What are you calling us to do now? What's the first step? We've got this big vision. Oh, you're going to take this city. It's, it's an exciting time. You guys ever been excited about a vision God gave you? Ever had something like that? You feel like you got the call of God in your life. And, oh, you got the clear picture now. And you're ready to step forward. What's the first step, God? I learned early, earlier in my life, you know, I... I was a youth pastor for four years in the States here. And my whole entire youth pastor career, I had one thing in my mind. All I want to do is travel the whole United States and speak. I could care less, actually, about being a youth pastor, but that's the way you have to start these things. What I really want to do is I want to travel all over the U.S. and I want to just preach the gospel. And so this was the way I was doing it. And what I was doing is I was trying to make myself a career out of, out of speaking, out of preaching. 
And in the midst of that, I got brought into a ministry with a guy by the name of Derek Prince. He's dead now, but his family was living in, in my town. And in the midst of that, there was an amazing time of healing that happened in my life. And, and God spoke a very clear word into my life through another lady that prophesied over me. So I want you to imagine a 96-year-old lady, 96-year-old lady, all right? I'm a 20, what was I, 26-year-old guy. She's 96. And she could beat me in a race around this building, no joke. And she's there shaking, praying, and she starts prophesying, and it was like the fear of the Lord. And in the midst of that, she said, Aaron, God's going to call you all over the world. I, can, I see nations, 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 nations. But don't you build it. That's exactly how she said it. Don't you build it. Anything you build will fall to the ground. Anything the Lord builds will stand forever. Wait on him. And that was the word. And so I learned early in my life that actually God is the one that's building his church. He's the one that's building his ministry. And so we're in this place of God. You know, what's the first step? What do you, we, we've caught the vision now, so how do you want to build it? What's the first step that we need to take? And right in the midst of this excitement, there's one thing that God spoke to us. Establish a culture of intimacy with me. It didn't even seem like it fit. It didn't even seem like it fit into the whole, whole thing. But that was exactly what we heard God say. Establish a culture of intimacy. Come close. Come near to me. Let's read these scriptures. In Revelation chapter 2, there's a, a story. Uh, actually, it's a letter that's written to the church of Ephesus. Let's read this together. It says... To the angel of the church in Ephesus, write this. These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. Let's go to the next one. I know your deeds and your hard work and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people and that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not and have found them false. You've persevered and have endured hardships for my name and are not going to worry. These people are rocking it, man. Go on back. Go back one more slide. Sorry about that. Um, these people, you know, they're, they're, they're persevering for the Lord. They're enduring hardships for the Lord, that they're not tolerating wickedness, that they're testing people that are coming and trying to preach other doctrines and they're finding their doctrines false. I mean, these people are rocking it. Verse four. Here we go. And then it says, yet I hold this against you. This is the Lord speaking to them. You have forsaken the love that you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things that you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. The lampstands are representatives of the churches, the, the different churches at the time. All right, next one. But, but you have this in favor. You hate the practices of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. To the one who is victorious in this matter, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Guys, right in the middle of our preparation, right in the what now God, what's the first step? God started saying, don't forget your first love. Don't forget me. It was almost like we saw this big job to do. We had even planned out our life that way. When we moved to Greece, we had caught this vision already. We moved to Greece. And our minds were already like, it's going to take 10 years at least. So we had already decided we're going to be here at least 10 years. In our mind, we've already put it in, in order. This is what we got to build. This is what we got to do. This is how it's got to be done. This is what it's going to be. And all of that's going to take right around 10 years. Have you guys ever done that before? You hear the voice of the Lord. You, you get excited about his call. And instantly, you go right back into your, your thinking. And you start trying to put it in an order. You start trying to put it in a plan. You start going into the business of building it. And for us, right in the midst of our plans of building it, God said, Hey, 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 hold on one second. You're not building anything. I'm the builder. I'm the architect. You draw close to me. And that's exactly what the Lord did with us. He started calling us to establish this culture of intimacy. He did that with this church in Ephesus. It's a warning to them. You know, they were doing great things. But the problem was, is all the stuff that they were doing was, was making them forget, actually, the love that got them into it in the first place. They, they, were, they were being 
called into a deeper relationship with the Lord and they allowed their work for the Lord to get in the way. Now, guys, I'm not, I'm not talking about like, okay, so we just drop everything we do and, and now we just, uh, you know, spend our time praying and worshiping all the time. No, that's not what I'm saying at all. But he has to remain the first. You know, you guys heard about it this past year. We, we were pursuing this culture of intimacy. We, we started uh, trying to work towards uh, this month of prayer in November. We were gathering churches from all over the country. Hey, join us. Join us in November. It's going to be a national month of prayer. We're going to pray for Greece. It's going to, the question we had on the table, what would happen? Has it ever been done in the history of Greece? What would happen if for 30 straight days, nonstop, we just magnified the Lord? What would happen in this country? And that was the question we were posing to churches all over the, the whole country and inviting people into in November. And in the process of that, you guys heard about that, we started coming under some serious attack. We started touching on something that the enemy had had a stronghold on for a long time. I mentioned before about this religious spirit. You know, at the core of that, all it really is is something that separates people from God. And sometimes, guys, we can allow our religion... Sometimes we can allow our works and the things that we're doing for the Lord to become religion. How does that happen? We separate it from love. Anytime we separate the things we're doing for the Lord from love and from passion, anytime we're giving our tithe just because we have to, and not because there's a love there, not because there's a passion there. Guys, we're, 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 we're walking a thin line between falling into a spirit of religion. And God doesn't want that. He wants relationship, guys. He wants us he, he, wants, he, he wants to be your father. He wants, he wants to be your friend. I mean, he, he sent his son. And, and we've got this mentality in the church more and more that it's got to be down, 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 down. And this has really affected our relationship in all of our worship songs. Send it down, Lord. Send your spirit down, 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 down. But that's not the gospel, guys. The gospel is Jesus came down. He died and then he went up. Then he came down in the form of the Holy Spirit. He poured it out on us. And then what happened? We come up and we're seated on thrones beside the King of Kings. We reign on high, guys. We're not down low anymore. And this is where Jesus wants us to be. He wants us to be in nonstop relationship with him, ruling with him as princes and princesses that we are. This is what he's called us to be, guys. We are seated in high places, and it all comes out of the intimacy we have with the one we're sitting beside. So God started calling us to a place of intimacy with him. We started coming under a lot of attack as we started pursuing this. You guys probably heard about those different attacks that we went through. I, you know, we, we had our house robbed, we had our car smashed, and then I got drugged at a bar one night and lost my mind, long story short. But each and every single one of those, God really protected us. I mean, supernaturally. Unbelievable protection. Unbelievable. We heard about it this morning in the songs we were singing, you know. Even though we're down, even though we have tough times and stuff like that. He is, he is the mighty fortress that we can run into. He is a strong tower. And not only does he protect us, guys, he takes care of us. He goes above and beyond. He meets it with blessing. It's, it's according to his Goodness, it's according to his measure. Yeah. All right. I got to wrap this thing up. Sorry. Time is flying. All right. So they've forsaken their first love. There's another story in the Bible about Mary and Martha. Mary's in the room. She's, uh, uh, Martha's in the room, running all around, preparing things for Jesus. And Mary, in the meantime, is just sitting at Jesus' feet, looking into his eyes, gazing into his glory. And Martha's getting all mad at Mary because she's not helping her clean up the house. And Jesus says to Martha, Martha, settle down. Mary has chosen the good thing. She's chosen the best thing. I'm right here. I'm right here. Guys, the Lord wants to say to you, maybe some of you today, I'm right here. Don't miss me. In the midst of all this, in the midst of all the blessing, in the midst of all the things that you want to do for me, don't forget me. So this past uh, November, we gathered together. I'm buzzing through this. We gathered together, and from the first night, we just began worshiping the Lord. Every two hours, we had new, a different worship leader come in and a different prayer leader. Every two hours, for 30 straight days, there's a constant shift. New worship leader, new prayer leader. For 30 straight days, we just had a, a constant pattern, a constant rotation of worship and prayer. Worship and prayer. With the focus of upward, it's just going to be the magnification of the Lord in this city. The magnification of the Lord. 
And guys, I got to be honest, I was totally shocked. In the place of intimacy with the Father, in the place of just being in his presence, without doing any evangelism, without doing any other things, the way the Lord built his church. I was shocked. Did you guys know that the Lord loves the world a whole lot more than you do? I mean, you guys have heard the stories probably of Iranians. I mean, they're coming to know Christ because he's appearing to them in dreams. Jesus is doing world evangelism. I mean, he, he, he's not counting on us, guys. He includes us in it. But he has the heart for the people. He's doing it as well. He's pulling in this massive harvest, whether you like it or not, because he's the king of kings, and this is what he's spoken. And his words have never fallen to the ground. They're bearing fruit. <laughs> and, and, and so I was just amazed that as we were in this place of intimacy, you know, in the, in the month of November, we saw four people give their life to Christ without any evangelism came into the room, encountered the presence of the Lord like they've never experienced before, and immediately were seeking, hey, can someone pray for me? What is this about? And came to know Christ. We had many, I mean, I, we don't even know the numbers, actually. At least 30, 40 people supernaturally, physically healed throughout the month. Came into the house of prayer, came into the, the room, in the presence of the Lord, started worshiping, and immediately realized, my stomach feels a lot better. What's going on? Or, ah, the pain in my neck is gone. We had a guy, he was walking down the street. This is a Greek Orthodox guy. He's totally under the spirit of religion his whole life. He doesn't really know anything about intimacy with the Father. He was walking down the street. He heard music playing up in the room. And so he thought, oh, it must be a concert. So he went up into the building, walked into the room, because we weren't meeting in a church. We were meeting in just like an office building. And he walks into this, this prayer room, encounters the presence of the Lord so mightily, it just, it was unlike anything he'd experienced before. He asked someone to pray for him. We got two words in the prayer. Like the, the guy, Anastasis, who prayed for him, he said, I promise you, I never touched him. <laughs> That's what he said. He went up to the kid, and he just was about to touch him. and said, Jesus, I just bless this guy. And just with that, this kid, 24 years old, fell over on his back, laying on the floor, started speaking in tongues under the power of the Holy Spirit unbelievable never seen anything like that this kid's just laying there in the in this prayer room speaking in tongues praying for about 10 minutes he gets up and he starts doing this immediately he says oh my shoulder doesn't hurt anymore i've been completely healed like he and he started telling us that he had surgery on his shoulder years back and he's had pain in his shoulder for years and and he's healed I mean, just unbelievable stuff in the presence of the Lord. We, we had people just encountering the Holy Spirit in ways like that so often throughout the whole month. The best part of the whole month, guys, the reconciliation that happened in the room. I'm talking about pastors and church leaders, nationalities coming into the same room with people that they don't normally come into the room with. But in the presence of the Lord, they can't hold on to their prejudices anymore. They can't hold on to their, their grudges towards one another. They had to get things right. We had a situation where some pastors came in. They didn't know the other was going to be there. And they've both been talking bad about each other. And at some point, they just couldn't be in the room together anymore. They both walked out. They got their relationship straight. Ten minutes later, they came back in are worshiping the Lord. Guys, the Lord was doing it. We were doing nothing. We were worshiping and praising the Lord. Worshiping and praising the Lord. And people were encountering his presence. The Bible says that he comes and he encounters. He fills the praises of his people. And that's exactly what was happening. And in this place this morning, God is here. He has showed up for one reason. Because you're here. And he loves you. And he wants to come and move among you. That's his desire. He loves to be magnified and praised by you. And his response to that, to that is like a wave. He comes and he fills you as well. And he, and he lifts you up and he turns you around. Just like all the things that we just uh, sung about earlier. This is the Lord. This is intimacy with the Father. And it's from this place, guys, that ministry happens. And this is what the Lord says. Don't you dare replace it with anything. Don't you dare allow work, allow anyone, anyone to make you feel like there's more you have to do because this is what I sent my son for. This is the intimacy that I've created between you and me. Let's take it deeper. Guys, I'm going to close now. I, 
probably skipped a lot of things. Jared's going to have to fix everyone's problems later. <laughs> but I'm just going to close now. And, and, and I want to just close with this point. Listen, we're not some great and awesome people that live in Greece and we've got this amazing calling or something. I mean, we do have a good calling, but it's not that we're superhumans and that's why we get to be in Greece and do all this stuff. You can do it too. There's an open invitation. Just come. But what's most important is where are you at right now and how's that intimacy with the Father going? Because He will build what He wants to build in your life. Guys, we have too many people walking around wondering, I don't know what God's will for my life is. I don't know what God's will for my life is. Guys, don't even worry about that. He will build what he wants to build. You focus on this. Don't forget this. Don't forget this intimacy, this love. It says return. He called the people, return. Return to the love that you had at first. Can we just stand to our feet? I'm just going to pray. Father, would you remind us of the love we had at first? Would you remind us of the love we had at first? And Lord, maybe there's those in here, they can't ever, actually ever remember having that. They've been believers their whole life. Lord, would you come now in the power of your Holy Spirit, and would you come and baptize us with the spirit of love? Romance us again. Holy Spirit of intimacy, just come. You are the God of love. We pray for an encounter with pure love. And I just want to pray, God, I just want to break any chains of a spirit of religion off in the name of Jesus. I break it now. And I just say, you are worthy. You are worthy to be in relationship with the King. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Aaron, for that word. Amen. Uh, thank you guys so much for joining us today and uh, kind of being patient with us. It's exciting uh, to hear all that God is doing. Um, that was, that's a challenging word. It, it is hard. It's hard for us, particularly in our modern culture, you know, our, our Western culture, because um, we, we, it's ingrained in us that the things that we have are what we've earned, you know. And, uh, and that's not how the gospel works. The gospel is operating off of a relationship with God and everything comes out of that. And so I love that. And I think it's a perfect cap for us at the end of this month as we finish our rest series, as we've learned that really what we want, what we need in life is to know Christ, to know him, to have a relationship with him. And everything else stems out of that. And I would encourage you to read uh, John chapter 10. It's where Jesus says that I am the vine and you are the branches and you can do nothing apart from me. And that's really what God has been teaching me over the last like four years as your pastor. It's encouraging, right? <laughs> but um, I just want to encourage you guys, um, you know, to just, just learn what it means to spend time in the presence of God and begin to have intimacy with him. And you will see everything that your heart desires, like God will either change those desires or he will make them come to be. That's how he works. And so, uh, yeah, I don't know, whatever that looks like in your life, just begin to find time with him. And I just promise you it's going to be good. Thank you so much, Aaron, for that word. That was awesome. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. If you call Encounter Church Home or if you'd like to partner with us to support the work that God is doing here, you can take advantage of our online giving option. Just go to EncounterGiving.com. Also, stay up to date with us throughout the week by following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at EncounterPGH. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.